Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever Call in the Ring podcast, episode one. This is Chris, and I'm here today with Mike and Ray, and we're going to be talking about the SummerSlam 19 card that took place this weekend at in Canada at the, what's it called? Scotia Arena? Scotia Bank Scotia, Arena, there Scotia we go. Bank Arena, Scotia Dome. Yeah, that Super Dome, whatever. I thought it was at the Rogers Center. It's the spot that where Kawhi time. doesn't play anymore. What is, Um. <laughs> oh, you know they brought that shit I know, Elias, Elias cut a promo during, it was a... Uh, that's the Blue Jays. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be breaking down our thoughts and opinions on the card that took place over this weekend. Talking specifically SummerSlam. I think it was like 10 matches on the card. Uh, we're going to be talking about segments, returns, you know. Was there a return? A very specific return, yeah, yes. Return. You're right. By a rated R gentleman who uh, did some true. very big moves. Um, so uh, I mean, he did one big move. It's, 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 the, it's the only move that mattered. <laughs> he had a spear. So uh, let's let's get into that. Uh, we're gonna hit off with the uh, Cruiserweight Championship match with Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan. It was a really hard hitting match. Of course, Oni uh, Lorcan's a fucking psycho. Yeah, he uh, consistently tapped into his character where he just rages out when he gets beat down. Um, at one point, it basically almost cost him the match. He raged out while he was getting slapped up by uh, <laughs> by Gulak, and Gulak put him in the Gulak for the second time. Force his way out. Let me address that name. That's a horrible fucking name. I know. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just corny because it's just it's just a, a offshoot. I get it, but <laughs> so bad. It's I don't know <laughs> why they graphic. It, it kind of is a little bit, but you I know need, I don't need to be in the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> basically what happened was uh, it was a very hard hitting affair and. Uh, gulag ends up punching Lorkin in the Adam's apple once the ref got oh. distracted and hitting him with the. Uh, the I forgot what it, oh what the heck did he hit him with? They gave him with his finish. I right? think he hit him with the uh, the oh, gulag. <laughs> no, it was cyclone crash. He hit him with the cyclone cl- crash for the finish. That's what it was. Punch him in the throat. Cyclone crash. Um, it was a pretty solid match. Lorkin basically did what he does. He beats that little shit out of somebody. Just happened to lose this time. It kind of made sense because Tony needs being champion, losing the belt to Gulak. It didn't make sense for Gulak to drop it immediately after winning it. So. And he deserves a long run. It was long overdue. Remember the uh, the Zo train and yeah, he was uh, his Enzo, character. He was Enzo's sidekick for a little while. That's tough. Yeah, and then he had the no fly zone and the, the PowerPoint presentations. The PowerPoint presentations was fucking great. Though. They were. They they, they should have kept that going. However, but, you know. But yeah, it was long overdue, and he he finally won. So. I'm, I'm fine with it. Keep Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch as a tag team. Uh, Hard hitting. They need tag teams in NXT anyway. It's true. What the fuck is going on right now? But, um, yeah, Oni Lorcan's crazy, man. He's like the one dude I wouldn't want to fight, man. It's like him and Minoru Suzuki. Just fucking insane, dude. It's like, and there's a reason like, why he's called Star Destroyer. Like, <laughs> like what was it, the, the match they had to take over? Uh, uh, the, the tag team match against Undisputed Era? Like, yeah. dude, he, like, slapped Kyle O'Reilly in the face and he started bleeding. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't care. Kind of psycho, he, man. He's, he's, he's very like, much he's monster. He's like miniature Walter. It's fucking oh, ridiculous. Kind of. He's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. But, yeah. But, uh, good, good for Drew Gulak. Yeah. Let him, let him keep his run going. And then, you know, subsequently following that, we had the, uh, the match that furthered the, the Roman Reigns storyline, which was uh, Apollo Crews versus Buddy Murphy. It was about a five-minute affair. Not much really went down. Buddy Murphy got to highlight some moves. Very early on, he uh, jumped in and hit Apollo. Basically, when the bell rang with a running knee, mm. and almost got a three-count immediately. It was inspired. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> very much so. It was, uh, it was pretty good. I, I actually liked the back and forth. I actually liked that they're trying to capitalize on the whole best-kept-secret thing with Buddy Murphy. 
Um, he had a good showing. Apollo's always a great wrestler to kind of like get somebody in. He's sure. pretty much a good entry level wrestler right now. Like super talented, but it's just one of those things. He's gonna have to be that guy until he kind of builds some more charisma. His character development's been or really shitty. Or he'll just shitty. stay that way. Yeah, so he's probably gonna end up staying that more way. Likely. Unfortunately, more likely that. But uh, Apollo was uh, at a point where he had uh, Buddy Murphy on the outside, and Buddy Murphy is getting counted out by the ref. He's sitting on the barricade on the right-hand side of the ring, and Rowan just comes out and beats the ever-looking shit out of him, throwing him from pillar to post, and uh, Daniel Bryan just sat on by the uh, TV. You know how they stare, basically, at a diagonal on the angle, fucking perspective to watch television, and he just watched Rowan with crossed arms just beat the ever-looking crap out of Buddy Murphy. Rowan said, keep my name out your mouth, and that was kind of the segment there. Uh, match got thrown out. Buddy Murphy got the win. I feel like this could have been done on SmackDown. I mean, yes. the Intercontinental Champion didn't have a match. Yep. Even though he and Ali have been teasing it on Twitter. And it should have I don't know, two, three weeks. Pretty much. And this is what we get instead. Are we thinking Buddy goes anywhere from this? Or is he yeah. just being used I mean, to he'll further have, this storyline? Is he going to be part of this storyline? or is it He'll just, have a match with Roman and get beat, probably. No. I also wonder oh, if there's okay, going to be a potential for a swerve, it's a good match, I don't care. They're both, oh, I like man. both of them. Because they could do a swerve. They could have it where Buddy Murphy ends up being the one who actually lied, and it's been him all along. Because ah. And that's why he's getting beat up now by Roman, because he doesn't Rik- want to get caught out there. Buddy Rikishi. Yes. Oh, he did it for the people. He did it for the rock. <laughs> yeah. Anybody but Roman, go back to that storyline. I mean, there was a point about, what, like, two months ago, three months ago, where basically we were just having WWE, like, from, like, 2015. Like, all the matches were the same. Yep. So, you know, it happens. I mean, yeah, it's something different. But if, if he's going to go up against Roman, I need it to be semi-competitive. Yeah, I mean, Roman can't just beat him from pillar to post. Yeah. Can't so be I feel like match. that's what it would end up being. It would be a squash match. You hit him with, like, yeah. Superman punch a couple times and call it a day. And then, you know, so the, uh, the next segment that happened was uh, Elias came out. Okay. He had a uh, decent song. It was, uh, you know this. why I know I'm in Toronto. <laughs> and he just basically started roasting Toronto. And at the end, he just ends it with the, you know, maybe I'll do like my friend Kawhi Leonard and go play in L.A. And uh, the crowd gave him immense heat for that. You know, he obviously gets over. He's great for the main roster. He knows how to appeal to the crowd and always, like, get them over in a way that uh, just kind of helps his character work elevated to another level. His in-ring work is still, you know, needs something. Sure. But, um, you know, that was supplemented by Edge showing up. Yes. Being Edge hitting a spear, popping the crowd. The crowd lost their mind when Edge showed up and hit the spear. Yeah. Because, you know, now we're thinking Edge to WWE confirmed. He's going to just come back and wrestle again. Doubt it, but, you know. Oh, it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's, it's, it's not happening. I, I, I don't want that. Am I the only one neck. that feels like Elias is being underutilized at this point? No, yes. Yeah, you I mean, definitely. I, I, I definitely I mean, agree. he does this on most pay-per-views. He doesn't have matches like WrestleMania. I mean, mm-hmm. he had this, the segment with Cena, which was cool, but, like, that's all he does. He just sings the same song about how he hates the town he's in. Which he was got body by scene of the year before it, it as well. Be, when when the Taker thing. He's definitely it's better kind of than being thing. a low rent Jeff Jarrett. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it's just he just gets treated like low rent Jeff Jarrett. And he even got the buff because he because he right. hit Jeff Jarrett with his guitar at Royal Rumble. With old ass Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he just kind of and then he just becomes a minion for Shane. And yeah. let's not forget that at the peak of his his. Uh, Character work last year. He was feuding with Rollins for the IC title. And they actually he had, had a, a really great, great match. Match. Like he's a dude but, that is not known for great matches. NXT he had horrible matches or didn't wrestle at all. Mm-hmm. He has a great match with Rollins and it goes nowhere. Yep. Well, and they bring out Edge, right? They did it later with the uh, Street Profits. And of Rick course. Flair comes oh, out. Please. Listen, I'm we'll all for the pops, but Fuck again, <laughs> never do we ever get a guy who's getting over on his own without having to have some sort of legend from a legend. Yeah. Or an even older legend. Again, we don't need it. It's nice to get the pop. 
but it, it you, stifles their character it, when they have to constantly rely on other you're people. You're now remembering it as when Edge came out and, and not Elias, him and not when Elias rose to Toronto. That's true. <laughs> you're very right about that. Um, yeah, it's the same thing at WrestleMania. What do you remember from that? You remember John Cena being the Doctor of Thugonomics again? Yep. Right. And attacking Elias, but you don't remember anything about what Elias said. Exactly. And let's not forget, Elias has been on the main roster for what two years now. Yeah. And he done. just won the twenty four seven belt twice. For once. Yeah. No, oh, twice. he won it twice. Yeah, you're right. Twice. He did win twice. Because the lumberjack match. You're right. right. You're right. Wow. But right. he's been twenty four seven champion twice, and that's the only thing he's done the in the two years he's been there. And he he never won anything in NXT. Yeah, and he got that. So he's he's yeah, just he got that one shot at the IC title, and that's it. And, and I feel like it's unfortunate. You know, he's a guy that I would think Vince would love, right? Like mm-hmm. he's not like the greatest wrestler. Mm-hmm. But he's super entertaining, and Vince only gives a shit about entertainment at this point. He also has a great look. Yeah, but he also doesn't. He also seems to think that if you're entertaining and you can, you have like good, like you can make audiences laugh. That that's all you can do. You're pigeonholed. That's also yeah, great. If you're funny, true. you can't be funny and and threatening. Yeah, not anymore. It's like he forgot The Rock existed or yeah. Chris Jericho existed, nah, man, but he, whatever. He saw Santino, and that's it. <laughs> not everyone is Santino. Now it's like, wow, you made someone laugh. You have to be a complete oh. joke for your entire career. Even Booker T became a joke when he was King Booker. It basically oh, like. I mean, it was one of his best for, runs, but it was it was so obvious. For a lot of Booker T's run, he was a comedy guy. I know, like the whole book dust angle, which was fucking hilarious. But, but the one time he was taken seriously, he didn't yeah. win when he was supposed to be Triple H. Because like yeah. people like you don't win, apparently so. You know, so it's like yeah, cool spear. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, and I'm not gonna, gonna complain. You get to see Edge. It's nice, of but. course. I mean, listen, it was done to pop the Toronto crowd, right? He's it's from a given. So yeah. I mean, that, that, that seems to be. It doesn't need to be every single time Elias no, does something. That's no. true. And that seemed to be the theme of the show. Let's just pop the crowd with more Canadians. Yeah, that's <laughs> all it was. Like Natalia came out wrapped in a flag. Like let's be real. <laughs> like okay, but so the last but, match that was on the pre-show. Is uh, the women's tag team championship match? It was Alexa and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics. Alexa came dressed out as Buzz Lightyear, sure. and uh, the Iconics came out, and Billy Kay was dressed up as Maleficent. Corey Graves oh, basically yeah, crapped on the whole match because he was upset that Alexa Bliss is finally a babyface. Um, I, I do, I do find it hilarious how he's he shifts. So you know, like the one constant he's always had. Speaking of Elias, is Elias that he just hates Elias no matter what. That's true. But like, I just love how <laughs> so now true. that fucking. Alexa's a baby face. She's not the goddess anymore. And he's like, nope. oh, she's a joke. And like, also the bullshit. Like, come on. Yeah. And then like, suddenly commentary flip flopped and they're like, oh, I guess Alexa and Nikki are friends. I guess she actually meant it when she said she was trying to be her friend because now they're champions and they're actually defending yeah. the belts. This this, so, uh, this match was not great. It was it was very it was slow, very, very plotting. It was very sloppy. The, the highlight of this match literally is Alexa Bliss shooting the arm laser like she's Buzz Lightyear and Corey losing his That's damn mind over it. I can't describe how happy I am. I didn't see this. But, but but other than that, there's like a really bad like spinning heel kick from Billy Kay where she like kicks Alexa in the stomach. Yeah. I'm like, yo, Alexa's five feet tall, man. You can't get your leg up there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, and then they also had a bunch of botch spots in the corner where uh, Billy Kay was supposed to go for a pin off of a combo she did with Peyton Royce, and she didn't know what to do. So then eventually she goes for it. And it's too late. <sighs> then there's a spot where Billy Kay has Alexa Bliss pinned. And like you see Nikki Cross struggling to get into the ring. So yeah, the, the ref has a slow count. Really yeah. slow on that. I, like I think mess. it's just one of those things where, like, like as we mess. go forward, like we're gonna consistently see like issues with chemistry in the women's tag division. Um, throwing people together just to make teams yeah, because isn't good. Because you need to have no organic teams. teams. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, and the, but the sad part is but, the Iconics are a team though. They've been a team for years. And sure, but they're great good. character workers. They're not. They're not good necessarily yeah. as like. Which is why the entire package going back to WrestleMania 35. I was super fucking pissed that they won the titles. I'm like anybody well, of else, course. anybody else. That's understandable. I can't blame you for that. It wasn't wonderful. It wasn't wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, but, like the finish of the match was weird. It was like Billy Kay tries to 
distract Alexa Bliss as she's going up for Twisted Bliss. Nikki Cross pulls her off. She has Twisted Bliss. She gets the three count. Alexa Bliss and uh, Nikki Cross retain. I, I, I don't care. I don't care about these belts. I really don't. Vince man. forgot they I had like belts, I was, apparently. I was interested I in these belts care. when <laughs> Sasha and Bailey had them, and I felt sure. like they deserved the long run to build them up. And That's true. they held them for like two months and lost them. I still feel like they should have won the belts at Mania. At and this I, point, I can't disagree with you. I, I disagreed with you earlier on, but I, at this point, I can't because it, it would have what, highlighted what their, their the win since then. Is yeah, who cares? Because now there's no prestige for the belt. It's like oh, they held it, and then the Iconics defended it three times. We watched one of the defenses, and it wasn't that great because they defended against local talent. It was not a good defense, and oh, uh, yeah. yeah, and then and, they lost. And then they lost. And then on top of that, like shout out to uh, oh. the uh, WrestleTalk guys. Uh, Luke Owen actually today was like, oh, he took a point away from that match as well because uh, no one called the Sparkle Splash falling with style when she was dressed as Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, kind of, uh, I kind of missed that. I kind of missed that. I wish they had actually said that. It just they just don't capitalize on things. It just makes me more sad about Oscar and Kyrie Sane not being the champions. Oh yeah, they should have definitely been the next people to take the belts off of uh, Bailey and Sasha. Anyway, let's, let's move on from this. So you know that that closes the pre-show. It's now we're on to the main card. About the pre-show. Yes. yes. Now we're <laughs> on to we're on to uh, the battle of the Canadians because apparently Becky started going on Twitter and talking smack about how she's a better Canadian she, than Natalia. She, she went on Twitter and said that she's a Canadian Isle like Wayne Jetski. Yeah, because you know was, she's uh, very punny. Pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, I I liked the the start of this match where Nay Young is like super against Becky Lynch because Natty's a Canadian like of she course. is. And she's just throwing all her Canadian support at Natalia. <laughs> like, fuck Becky Lynch. Also, did you notice that Natalia and Becky Lynch had, like, the same attire on almost? Oh, yeah. Natalia had, like, a pants version. They just had, like, bedazzled, like, pilot swaps. <laughs> but, like, my main gripe about this match was that it was a submission match and there were no fucking rope breaks. Can we be real for a second here? Yeah. There were no rope breaks. Yeah, so apparently like, that's, a, that's a thing they're trying to push now is that the, that if you're in a submission match, there are no rope breaks. Because there's no DQ, so you can't be as qualified oh, for holding too long. They just change rules on the fly. Saying it. It's great. <laughs> like, it's they, so they said it after the match started because, like, Becky goes to the ropes. Oh, by and, like, the way, everything like, you know hey. about submission matches is completely different. So Surprise. they're like, oh, Becky has to pull her way out the ring to break the sharpshooter. So at one point, Natalia just has Becky in the top rope in the sharpshooter she's yeah. literally in the ropes she can't go anywhere else and and Becky just has to pull herself out the how ring how does this even add to the match it doesn't it, it's it just highlighted how stupid it looks they just do submissions that's, that's it now, they felt like they need a stipulation for a women's match right because you had three women's four women's matches really with the tag titles yes. and they were all normal matches which I don't necessarily think that you need a stipulation but I mean there's true. nobody shitty in this match you don't need to spice it up just let them go yeah right. it, it, it could have been a submission like, match if they just well, let it been a normal I, submission I feel match like it also, and still fine I feel like it also could have just been a regular match that's and they're both submission specialists and, and just finish with a submission the story of the match is that they're both working over the other's weak spots that's true Natalia's working over Becky's legs because she has the sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Becky's working over Natalia's arm to get her into this armor. Mm-hmm. And it's a great story to match. It was a lot of good spots here. I like when Natalia suplexes Becky into the ropes. Yeah. I like her knee hits the ropes and shit. So you well, didn't necessarily need this to be a submission match. But... Yeah, you know, I, it's fine that it was. It's just like, I don't know. They just do these random stupid things that make no sense. It's, that's true. just offends my sense of logic. My, uh, yeah, which is a tough thing to have when I, you're watching wrestling a lot of the that's time. That's true, because you need to turn your brain off sometimes. <laughs> but there were there was a lot of a lot of dope submission shit happening in this match. There's a part in the match where Becky goes for the, the cross arm breaker, mm-hmm. Natalia tries to power out, she transitions to the triangle choke, mm-hmm. and then 
Uh, Natalia lifts her up to try to powerbomb her. She does it. Becky doesn't break the hold. And then she has to lift her up again to break the hold. So it was a lot, it was a lot of good spots in there. But my one other gripe as well. Granted, Becky didn't do it this match. But I don't know if you guys have noticed. Becky's had a long history. And as much as I like her, she's had a really long history of not working over someone's arm. And just putting them in this armor. And it pisses me off so much. Because I'm like, hey, also, it's not good ring psychology. To, to do that it's I mean, not she's trying to put it over that like it's such a good move that I don't even need to work on this also, yeah, pretty the thing, much the thing here as well is that she wins TV matches all like that is that obviously at some point they both use each other's finishers so Becky puts Natalia in the sharpshooter mm-hmm. and uh, Natalia puts Becky into disarmor and mm-hmm. hers is way better than Becky's yeah it was like and she had her arm basically up to her chest and, and I don't know if it's mainly backwards. because it's that but it's also when Natalia's, it looks like she threw her weight into it. Whereas yeah. when Becky does it, obviously she just holds. Obviously, Natalia's a, a more muscular woman than Becky is. Mm-hmm. But it looked like she was throwing her weight into it. Where Becky doesn't like she ever throws her weight into it. That's true. She's just like leaning forward and trying not to hurt her opponent, which is fair. But like I understand, like you need that that air of realism when you're having a match. Like you don't want people to necessarily be like, oh hey, that's fake. Like we all know it's kayfabe. But like you know. You gotta keep the illusion up. Exactly. So it does feel more impactful when you see a move look like it does more damage. Like yes. Pete Dunn's uh, triangle choke. Whenever he catches somebody in triangle choke and then he just proceeds to punch them in the head over and over again to try to make them lose consciousness in the choke. Yeah. It makes the move look more more dangerous because it like feels the though it hurts And the flip of that more. is like my, my, my favorite wrestler ever, The Rock, when he started doing the, shop, the sharpshooter. Oh, I mean, that, so shit, that was dog shit. It was so bad. And I'm like, I wish he would stop doing this hard. because it, it looks bad. It and it takes down. me out of it. It's like, it's like I can't with the... Do this better, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, but nah, I do this better. To your point about the rule break, I did think the the sharpshooter in the second rule was interesting. It's it's different. It's something we don't see on the regular. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's you fine. Know, I mean, it, it was a good match, right? It, it was, was it was a good match, match. and it, the, oh, the yeah. crowd was hot. It led into the finish. Becky drags herself out of the ring, essentially. Natalia throws it back in there, trying to set up for the sharpshooter. Becky counters it into the disarmor, and Nat- Natty taps out. Mm-hmm. So Becky retains the Raw Women's title. It was a good match. It was a really good opener. The crowd was hot. Um, it's amazing what happens when Becky Lynch has an opponent who's credible and capable. And, you know, yeah, Lacey, Lacey Evans is really green. And I just didn't understand why we needed a three-month feud between them. Yeah. Um, that it benefited nobody. Not to mention Baron Corbin somehow managed to weasel his way into Becky Lynch's yeah. feud. Yeah. But oh, I, and it, it doesn't seem like this feud is ending. I mean, obviously, Raw is really depleted right now for women. Mm-hmm. And Natalia was on Twitter saying that she's still coming after the Raw Women's title. So, so that makes sense. Sure, I fine. imagine at least we'll get another rematch at Clash of Champions in September. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and it should be a good match. That's true. Right, so moving on, we have uh, the shortest match on the card. It was Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. It ran about a minute and 50 seconds. It was a sub-two-minute match. Uh, very, very short, sweet to the point. Two super kicks, spear, jackhammer, well, one, two, three. Well, Dol- Dolph comes out cuts a promo about how he's the best. He's the best wrestler, and uh, Goldberg is afraid of him. Because he should be to a jobber. And then, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, like, and, then, and then, like I said, after the match, Dolph just keeps cutting promos. Cuts a promo about Goldberg being gutless. Goldberg comes out, spears him again. Calls him a dipshit. They yeah. They have to blur it on camera. And then he, he tells him, why don't you face me like a man after he's already been speared twice. I think, so, okay, so... <laughs> The Dolph promos. It was it was kind of it was a first lot of reaching all, in that promo. First of all, he's like writhing around on the ground, yeah. but then he's like fully st- still screaming. Yeah, yeah. can't really like I don't know, doesn't match up. And then the whole face me like a man thing. Can, 
Can we make a little bit of sense? Like he just he, <laughs> he just, just beat you. Your ass. Like the, yeah. the, the spear that he sold that he got almost pinned off of was like oh. the spear. Like forget the third spear that Goldberg hit him with. The first spear, Dolph Lando on his head. Yeah. Like it was a it was a big bump. So he faced like, you like a man you just, to your face you and almost killed shit, you. <laughs> you got your ass whooped, and then he left, and then you're like, face me like a man. Yeah. I don't, we need to. You know, you know who Goldberg did face like a man? That's Matt Riddle. Oh, uh, just saying, oh. just saying. Oh. You might want to go watch that video Ooh. of Matt Riddle talking about Goldberg and his uh, interaction. I don't need an umbrella considering all the shade I just felt in this I'm, room. I'm, I'm just saying. Oh. Man. I don't know. I think Matt Riddle. Are we, fuck are we him done up with Goldberg? Quick. No. I would love to see Matt Riddle retire him. But it would no. actually be great for Matt Riddle if he were able to do that because no, it would definitely put him over. Apparently, they do want to drag his 55 year old carcass out to the ring. Every so often, and have him just job out people for the next couple of years. So I guess we'll get more of this. So I'm still not sensing. I, I get the whole legends thing. You got Edge. You have Ric Flair show up. Oh, we're I, getting to the Ric Flair this, thing. That shit was horrible. I still don't feel well, that like elbow drop was fire. Hold up, the <laughs> WWE world really feels that way about Goldberg so I no. feel like his so the appearances fans, the, the casual fans you, do because they would pop for nostalgia, nostalgia. nostalgia pop and, and I guess it. but that's me and I don't pop for it but that's also because we're, more, we're more jaded because we're we've, we've been watching for longer and <sighs> yeah, we, we have even more of a he doesn't have that like dalliance in the wrestling community like when The Rock or online. Austin shows up well, I, do, I do think it's, even, it's though, not, even though you're more of a casual you, you didn't watch WCW at all so no, there are the people yeah. who I, I still remember him from there. I guess. Sure, yeah, that's true. Like if there I mean, there are matches I'll go I back for that I have that are well, genuinely good. Even I felt like matches. Sting when he came back, had, yeah. people were way more excited about yes. it. I don't I feel like that excitement. Well, Sting when he was shows also. Up, it's just like oh, Sting was also their Man, guy right. more so than Goldberg ever was though. Especially after yeah. Goldberg injured his hand, he never won the belt again when he was at WCW. Like he was very much like regulated to being just a secondary guy in the NWO at the end of his yes. run. Like, Goldberg at his peak was probably his matches with DDP, his match with Hollywood Hogan when he won the belt when he was undefeated. Like, Goldberg has had a catalog of great matches. They're just all short matches. They're all orchestrated because oh, Goldberg's yeah. not... And why are they short? Go- Goldberg's work rate is low. His, his cardio is bad. He gets burnt out easy. <laughs> because he can't I understand that. That's why William Regal got fired from WCW. But so I just feel like so deeply anyway. meh whenever he shows up. I'm like, oh, it's I Goldberg. I, agree. I, I, I try it's to a, give him a, a chance. At least spot. it'll be quick. My, my usual thought is, eh, at least it'll be quick. It's, it's a spot that could be used on someone else. That's, sure. that's just my thought. I just try to give him a chance. Though. Like, like even sure, even even with the, the Brock match in Mania 33. Like I didn't think it was bad. Like, it was okay. That was like, it was unnecessary because they didn't need to have the universal title involved. But it, it didn't have oh, to necessarily their last be. Match, you know, we had to run it back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on. Now we have to move on. Now this is a, a segment. It was actually not a match yet. This is the New Day segment where Woods came out looking like an Earth, Wind, and Fire character. Like he was part of the uh, part of the band. He uh, hypes up Kofi. Hypes up Kofi. Brings out Drake. Says we have Drake. Yeah, it's Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick. Uh, he starts <laughs> rapping. Uh, he's so bit. weird. I love uh, Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick is one of the best things going in WWE. It's just all and his quirks are so goofy. He needs to like be him. the twenty four seven champion. Yeah, Rockstar Spud needs another. I'm I'm tired of truth. Um, it's such good shit. <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was just so bad. And then they had the segment where they show the uh, commentary teams and our truth and Carmelo just dressed up. Truth pulls off this horrible British accent. He doesn't know where he's going. The camera doesn't pan fast enough, so they just stand there awkwardly for five seconds, start dancing. 
Um, and then it went into the U.S. Championship match randomly. It is panned. Uh, all right. So let's just get into let's that. Talk, let's, talk about, let's talk about Ricochet's attire. Yes. This Nightwing-inspired attire. I what was that? that? So It was horrible. Not, he comes out with a full bodysuit and then a vest on over it. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even a full bodysuit. That's the craziest part. It wasn't a full bodysuit. Well, he had like a latex a shirt, and then he had like he had the leather pants. When like Nakamura started wearing that top, I was mm-hmm. like, "This is the worst thing I've ever seen." And then he saw and Ricochet, Ricochet with the Nightwing. Like, Hold my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> like you said, that tweet, man. Ricochet looked like a gaming chair. <laughs> um, However, was bad man. It was, it was a good match. Funny. It was a really great, really match. good match. Yeah, it was. I want to specifically shout out the one-legged. Move that Ricochet. Oh, the springboard? Did. The springboard off yeah. the rope one leg. I noticed that. I saw yes. it. And it's I great. was like, this is quality. Yeah. And and the, the leapfrogging move that he did across the clubs yes. that hit south of the Camarada. Yes. Like that was a great sequence. Yes. But my 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 thing is, and I know you're big on this. Go on. The segment beforehand, during the pre-show, there's a segment where the OC, I hate that name so much, the club, the club, the bullet club, club, goes up to Balor and they're like, yo, you're taking on the fiend tonight. And you're not going in as a demon. Why? He's like, yo, I got this. He's like, all right, cool. If you ever decide to change your mind, just, just, say, when. just say when. And after after that match took place, Carl Anderson went on Twitter and put hashtag when and just put a photo of the match. Super about it. Mm. Yes. So let's see what happens with that. But continuing back on with the United States Championship match. Story of this match <laughs> makes sense. AJ's working over the leg. Obviously, Ricochet is high flyer, a lot of aerial-based moves. So AJ just works over his leg. Throughout the entire match, like you said, he does the the one legged springboard, oh. which was very oh. super impressive. Yes. I'm still convinced R- Ricochet is not really a human. I, I don't know, maybe he's a reptilian. I'm not trying to get into conspiracy theories here, but <laughs> from my robot man, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff so going good. on here. So, but yeah, so I mean, he's just he's just he's just Will Osprey's Gemini man, or vice versa. Yeah, he's so, just oh, you so good. Man, and you made someone else. I would have liked to see him win it. There's a nitpick just because I feel like he could do more. Like, the title does more for him than AJ, but I mean, whatever. It's fine. They had a great match. But Hot Potato in the belt. I enjoyed it. De elevates the belt, and that's the problem. You don't want to devalue the belt going forward because AJ just won it. He just won it. You need to build up the club as a threat, even because they've been one for like four years. I like AJ having it. Yeah, so. I hope they have another match. Let's let's, let's not drop the uh, CM Punk moment of the night. Yeah, so basically, every time this match, Ricochet. Tries to build momentum. AJ stops him. He hits AJ with a neckbreaker. Hits him with a standing shooting star press. He goes for the pin, and then there's the moment where he goes for he goes to set up Ricochet for the calf crusher because he's been working the leg, and Ricochet counters it into the Anaconda device, one of the most underutilized mm-hmm. submissions in all of wrestling. Yes. Fuck yes. <laughs> so good. And if he's going to add that to his arsenal, I'd rather that instead of him using the Codebreaker, which doesn't have a name. They just call it the knees. Mm-hmm. Knees? Yeah, all, just double knees to the face. This is a problem, and we'll get into it in the, in the, the Bailey Ember Moon match, because she also does a Codebreaker-esque move, and they just call it the knees. Yeah, Asuka does it too, and they, they just call the double knees to the face now. Rick, oh, no, Ricochet does it, and he called, they call it the recoil when Ricochet does it now. But I hate that they call it that, because it's just called Codebreaker. It's okay. Yeah, it's 2019. We, we've I seen like Jericho it. for like we, 25 years. We know what he does. Recoil, yeah, Ricochet. It's all about bouncing off. Yeah, but we already got the the, the recoil at the beginning of the match, and I don't like that. It's, <laughs> but I do like the finish where he he goes for a Phoenix Splash and AJ just catches him out of thin air oh, and, and just hits him. For the Styles Clash. Oh so my good. gosh, that sequence! I, I so love good. their chemistry in the ring because it highlights how much you can really get out of these guys when you give them time to shine because. You've seen AJ have really bad matches with guys like Kevin Owens, and it's like another Nakamura. Like, like Nakamura, and it's like, yo, how do you have a bad match? Yeah, We've like seen you have 
barn break, like barn yeah. burners. I feel like yeah. how do you have a bad match? Yeah, unfortunately for AJ, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily his age because he's getting up there, or it's like their it's their inability to let him do what he's capable of. But a lot of his quote unquote dream matches have underwhelmed. Yes, uh, like I said, Kevin Owens, Nakamura, the Shaming Man match at Mania. Even though it was a good match, it was it was not up to could, AJ's level. Yeah, yeah, I agree even, with that. Even his matches with Jericho early on. Oh yeah, and I mean, granted, he was limited there as well. Vince wouldn't let him use the Styles Clash and everything else, but yeah, it just it. Which is crazy. I don't know. You got people I, breaking necks now, but anyway, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's a weird thing, and <laughs> I would really like to know whether or not it's it's the booking and Vince, or it's maybe his age is just catching up. I mean, yeah, he's getting old. He's, he's going to be a little more. I think there's a level now. of reservation as well, though, just because Vince is very like remiss in letting like guys who wrestled a certain style outside of WWE wrestle that style inside the company. Yeah, like Ricochet's been watered down severely. Apollo Crews has been worn down severely from when he was Uha Nation. Nakamura's been, like, oh my gosh, it's been night and day from what he used to do in New Japan. And even NXT. Like, yeah, like it's, it's, they're not the same guys. Samoa Joe's the same. Like it happens. Like when, when Vince gets his hand on certain wrestlers, they just kind of drop in quality because they have to be watered down for a product that he needs box. to be able to put out on a weekly basis. So we kind of got to that point. That's a great point. So let's get to two guys that Vince is about to have his hands on. So AJ retains the title. Good, mm. good job for the club. I fucking hated this segment with the Street Profits and Ric Flair. This was horrible. I mean, yo, shoot or shoot. This was horrible. First it's, of all, it's such a shitty thing to do. You have Angelo Dawkins out <laughs> it's here such a shitty thing to in do. his 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 most Enzo moment yet so far, where he's trying to shoot a shot with a married woman, Nikki Cross, congratulating them for retaining the uh, the women's tag titles, and then asking her to hit him up on IG. He puts his whole and handle and out it there. Also, What's, what, what's going with Montez Ford and like he was doing this at TakeOver as well these like weirdly like sexual gestures and like he's always like sticking his tongue out and shit it's just weird it's really off-putting Ric Flair comes in and he's always off-putting at this point I'll tell you right and now like for me God. I didn't follow them in NXT so they're new to me mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're new to a lot of people that's, that's true and it's they're not this it's not gonna work wasn't Dawkins like like Sasha's manager at one point Dawkins was like, Sasha's manager in, in like 20 like 13 14 13? yeah it was like, these guys are just annoying they're they're PG crime time up here right now as currently constituted, they are fucking annoying. I'll concede I that do, to you because it feels like they're being forced to be this like exaggerated version yes, of their NXT character, I do, and I do, it does hurt them a lot. I, I do it think sucks. I it's do like, think we're gonna have an Enzo and Cass syndrome with them as well, where they're gonna be over in the beginning, and then people are just gonna get tired of it, and then they're not gonna win anything, and it's gonna hurt them, and they're gonna fall down the card and probably get broken. And at up. least Enzo and, and Cass had their like because they have a lot of chemistry. Because Montez Ford in particular has a ton of potential. Oh, he's charismatic as but, hell, and he's a great wrestler. I mean, maybe this could change when they actually start fighting yes. on the main roster, and I can actually see I them mean, wrestle and appreciate them more but right now to me it's like you said they're like at least Enzo and Cass had like a thing yes. that worked right now they don't even and it also I'll, I'll have you, that not to get into takeover too much but they retain the tag titles so they're still in NXT mind you but on Raw and easily and one of the best matches on that card because the takeover match was actually really fucking good it was good I, I do like, still think that it it exposed that they're they're green and th- this segment just annoyed me and I was like oh yeah. I'm really starting to sour on the Street Profits. Sure. I just think and they're going to do That's not what wrong. they're supposed... I mean, clearly, they're only up here doing promos. So yes. Like, that's not what's supposed to be happening. No. Right. They're basically supposed, supposed to, like to appeal to the crowd. And, and they're funny. The problem is that, like, Vince doesn't understand that certain tag teams or, like, certain, like, acts need to be cooked slow. Like, not everything can be put in a microwave and, like, just flash, like, cook because, like, and it just, ruins the quality of the product. And when you... just so super stereotypical. You, yeah, it's you bring really these guys annoying. up. It's like, I see what you're doing. It's just too much. Yeah, and I get like I get it, and I don't like it. 
because because they're basically supposed to be like these party guys that when the bell goes on like they're 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 focused and they they get it going like montez ford has like a, a litany of moves that he can tap into you know he usually sells and sells and sells and then dawkins comes in with this super great hot tag like they know their niche and they stick to it and when they're allowed to flourish they do it well but when they're forced to just do these routines where they consistently just are like these hyperbolic versions of like just like black stereotypes yeah it doesn't help them and and I, I I say that with the the narrative being that I want to see them flourish me better. Yeah. I actually like Street Profits a lot. I, th- I, I actually think they have a lot of potential. Fly. I want to see them in the ring. And I, I actually want to see them like succeed on the main roster. I think they've been called up way too soon, but that's just me. Like you know, Vin- Vince doesn't see it that way. We so that's Rick Flair out here. It's like oh my god. Uh, and nobody wants to see that. This and then guy. the sudden, it didn't even go anywhere. Rick just came out and they just popped in front of him and then they just moved on. Speaking of moving on. Speaking of things no one wanted to see. That crowd did not want to see this next match. <laughs> yeah. It is, uh... What is this? SmackDown yeah. Women's Championship match. Bailey oh, yeah. Number Moon. The crowd is dead for this one. Now, granted, they do have to follow AJ Styles and Ricochet. Mm-hmm. And the build has been horrible. Ember Moon has been built horribly for this moment. Yep. But yeah. it, 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 there was... Honestly, there's not much to talk about in this match. There were typical Bailey spots. There were typical Ember Moon, Ember Moon spots. There's a lot of back and forth. Ember Moon hits her uh, somersault across body. I mean, a mm-hmm. somersault elbow. She hits the springboard, springboard across body a couple times. Bailey hits her with the running knee. The the only innovative thing here is that Bailey did this weird reverse Boston Crab, mm-hmm. which I've never seen before, and it didn't really look super effective. Um, it, was, it was pretty standard. It was like, it was, a, it was like it, mailed in. It this, felt mailed in. This could be a SmackDown match. Yeah, this could have been. This, a match was, this is very much that they didn't have anything to pace the uh, the show out, and they probably should have used that segment to pace the show out and let Bailey and Ember get actual time. Especially considering that the pay per view itself actually ran short. Yeah, considering it was, like it was only three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah for the ended, main card, I was like, oh my god, it's, it's kind of fast. This yeah. was pretty early. <laughs> Um, they should have been given at least another five minutes. Their match was very short, and I think that because of that, it's, it highlights how much Vince has kind of lost sight on the women's division since Ronda's gone. It seems that his interest was only peaked when Ronda was there because he cared about elevating the division around yeah. somebody who was as mainstream as she was to get the casual fans in. <laughs> Which is amazing. And now that Which she's gone, most, it's like, it's like Vince forgot that yes. he has <laughs> this well of talented women that can show up and show out on every night. Like, you have the four horse women, you have the, the, the Kabuki Warriors, you know, like you have people that are on slow burns that are building up in, in Sonya Deville, Ember Moon. Like, I don't know why you can't utilize them properly. They need to be used better this for is the women's guy division who to flourish. Running, I mean, he's been there for how long? I mean, decades. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 30, he was years. running the show when The Rock and Austin came up. Like, these guys yeah. didn't come from anywhere already famous, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they had the bill. So why is he lost sight of the fact well, that you can be not look, famous look, to start let's and even still talk about, rise? Let's even talk about the women building them. You had Trish Stratus on this car who, when she debuted, was a manager for yeah. Tess and Albert. They mm-hmm. had her in the ring barking like a dog yep. at one point in time. And she went on to be one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time. She had yes. a great match here. Like, um, so I don't I don't understand he's done what it his, before, his struggle with building talent is. The, the issue being that, especially for the women's division, Charlotte and I guess now Becky are the only ones he really cares about at the moment. Yeah, it seems to be that way. Which And he did it with Becky. So I... I, I and it's it was really a shame because I, I did think that they were that they, can't build they were guys. going in the right direction with Bailey, yeah. and that's not to say that they're not. But it feels like they they've hit a snag on the way there. Yeah, and that's the concern. I, I just but I just want them to elevate the women's division properly. You can't bring up 
just Becky and and ignore Bailey, Charlotte. ignore the the women. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and just ignore everybody else who's who's coming up with them. Like you can't have a division for fans to care about if you don't tell the fans that there's a division there. Like you need people to be right. invested. There needs in to be some depth there because yeah. you can't just have the same as like right. and having The having Rock didn't fight Austin every pay per view for no, ten years because it would have it would just <laughs> right. killed any interest in watching and, them fight. Yeah, and having having this match where. Ember Moon didn't really look impressive. She didn't really all. have a lot of offense at all. Yeah, I mean, the the finish of this match, she, she hits a power bomb on Bailey. She goes up top for the eclipse. Bailey gets up, does a super uh, Bailey to belly off the top, which I know you hate that name. Yeah, and uh, she gets the three, <laughs> and then they they kind of. <laughs> what do you like, want? You want hug life? Like they don't have much better to work with. Of, just, just belly to belly. It's a belly to belly <laughs> suplex. Yeah, I know. just call, literally just call it. But that. you know the mentality is if they put a name on it, then it's different because everybody uses a belly to belly. Yeah, like, maybe she should have a better finisher. <laughs> I mean, she does the Macho Man elbow drop, and they don't like her doing that that often. So, yeah, it, it was whatever. It was a standard match. I I, I hope they figure it out with Ember Moon going forward. So offended, but let, let's move past this. This was yeah, it was, it was deeply blah. So then then we had then we had a match that people actually wanted, like a very specific. I feel like this match was finish, also and we got what we wanted. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was Shane versus Kevin Owens. Wasn't this supposed to be in a Hell in a Cell? Uh, no. It was. Did the, they talk about that? Uh, I don't know if they were like tossing stipulations around, but I do know that the stipulation that was ex- ended up being accepted was that if Kevin Owens lost, he'd have to quit the company. Yes. And the, f- the unfortunate problem with this is every time you pigeonhole a storyline where only one wrestler is putting his career on the line, he almost always wins. Almost always wins. Well, yeah, it's like Dolphin Miz yeah. for the IC title, and yeah. The only problem Dolphin is on last time Kevin Owens was in this stipulation, he, was he lost. <laughs> and he was heel, and he had to quit, and then he just debuted on Raw instead. So you know, shit happens. But um, <laughs> Shane comes out here, does his best in the world thing. Yeah. He announces Elias as the special reinforcer. Yep. So the <laughs> whole, the whole, the whole early parts uh, of the match are <laughs> Shane throwing Kevin Owens out of the ring or luring him out of the ring, and Elias trying to keep Kevin Owens from getting in the ring so that he'll get counted out mm-hmm. uh, right out the gate. It's a this was this was fine. I mean, every time Kevin Owens would get in the ring, Shane would look to take advantage. Uh, Shane Shane reverses the pop up power bomb at one point to a uh, to a DDT. He throws his horrible punches punches that uh, for a guy who does mixed martial arts training, I don't know how he doesn't either throw a punch. I remember they had that whole <laughs> sequence before his match with Taker at Mania 32, and then he came out. I'm like, what did what did you do then? Was all that for nothing just to show us that you can't fight? Like, I don't understand, bro. All you do is give you black eyes when you hit them. Like, you can't, you can't. Yeah. He's like, he's like the sweatiest McMahon as well. Like, it's just weird. Like, he's. It, it was fine. Stains was, in the ring. You know, this was what you would expect from Shane. At one point, Kevin Owens hits the pop up power bomb. Uh, he goes for the pin. Elias distracts the referee. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens goes outside. He gets into it with Elias. He. Hits a swanton and a frog splash, which was really impressive. Oh, yeah. Kevin Owens hasn't done a swanton in a while. Yeah, that was cool. Really impressive. Elias pulls out the ref again. Mm-hmm. Kevin, Owens, gets Kevin Owens gets in his face. He pushes Elias. The ref gets knocked out. Kevin Owens comes in. He has the chair in his hands that Elias doing the ring. Shane is doing his best Bray Wyatt impression from WrestleMania 30, <laughs> begging to get hit with a chair. So the DQ would happen. Throws the chair down. Uh, hits Shane with a low blow. Hits the stunner. Picks up the win. He gets to keep his career. I did like the Shane little. There was a, a clever little uh, moment where uh, Ko drew Shane to hit Elias off the apron, yes. knock him out. Yeah. I like that. That was cool. 
some good ring intelligence. I love I love some strategy and ring intelligence. When it shows like, oh, they they know they're in a the fight. The best moment of this is Ko leaving the arena, going, "Are you listening into the camera?" Yeah, like, that was dope. That was pretty like CM Punkish. So yeah. the match was like whatever, but it, it was. It's a I enjoyed Ko. He did. Shame. He looked good and. Mm-hmm. That was what we wanted to see built up. I think it did a good job building up KO, I'm so I'm all for it. I unfortunately think this is not the end of this feud, and I, I think don't we're going to get more of it going oh, forward. No, yeah. what? Yeah. Wait, we're going to keep Shane, going? Shane is currently feuding with, like, four wrestlers, also by the way. Shane, this is, like, done. He, KO Shane, did it. He did but, the thing. But and Shane's career wasn't on the line. That's the problem. Yeah. Because the narrative was, oh, I couldn't Shane. get him to get his career on the line because he's a McMahon, <laughs> so he'll just, he'll just lie about being, you know... Can't he just go fight somebody else? He will probably Roman again and oh. beat him again. <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's dumb. But moving on, we had one easily one of the best matches on the card for that that night. It was uh, Charlotte versus Trish. Yeah. Uh, and Trish's pseudo quote unquote match. last match. Um, I don't necessarily think that it was reasonable for her to have came back. I think, you know, we've discussed this multiple times where you've highlighted that it would have been best for her to have never come back after that final match she had with Lita yeah if you go back and look at it I believe it was Unforgiven 2006 yes. where she retires she beats Lita for the women's championship uh, retires in Toronto and vacates the title mm-hmm. that was the perfect send off yep and then she's come back periodically here and there I remember she teamed up with John Cena at one point yep. like Russell and Santino Morrison. and Beth Phoenix she had that match Makes with sense. Snooki and John Morrison yeah cool um, Mania 27 I mean I was, one of the worst manias of I recent was, memory I was fine with her coming back for Evolution because they brought a ton of women back for that including Lita was fine right so yeah. they did that that was cool she was in the Women's Royal Rumble also fine because once again I was the first one so of course that's fine I mean and they had a ton of legends in that but here I didn't necessarily think she needed to be brought back but she impressed she did she I, went above and beyond for way all better than I thought it was gonna be. Like, I thought that match was going to be crap because the thing is at the Women's Royal Rumble and at Evolution she looked incredibly rusty that's true and rightfully so she hasn't had a they, I think they said she hasn't had a singles match in 8 or 9 years something like that pretty much every time she's came back prior to that it was all mixed tags or just regular tags it was never a proper match where she had the time and to just plan to wrestle somebody and you know you can't even say that Charlotte carried her in this match because no. you know she Trish she definitely held her own press. She hit all of her her typical spots you expect. She hit the Lutas press a few times. She hit one off of the uh, off of the apron onto the outside. Yep. Charlotte hit all her typical spots. Big boot. Um, figure four, figure eight, figure eight, all that good Trish stuff. Trish got out of it at one point and then put Charlotte in the figure four and then got put back in it herself. There was a spot where Trish started chopping uh, Charlotte. Obviously, you know, <laughs> tying her up in the ropes. Charlotte. Yeah. One thing I so it's clear I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Charlotte. Mm. One thing I, I don't like that Charlotte does consistently is use Ric Flair spots. So mm. there's a part in the match where Trish is down on the floor and Charlotte pulls her, her knee pad down to drop the knee on her. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely a Flair spot. It's absolutely a Ric Flair spot. And <laughs> it's cool you want to pay homage to your father and shit and your finish, I think, is enough of that. And a lot of other things are. But when you start stealing spot for spot, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, but, I mean, I don't, I don't think the finish of this match was ever in doubt, right? Like... Trish right. is the one leaving, so she has to she has to put Charlotte over. Yeah, it's another another accolade. I don't necessarily think that Charlotte deserved, but yeah, like you said, Trish Trish put a uh, Charlotte into the figure four, put in put her in the figure eight. Charlotte escapes. She goes for stratification. Uh, Charlotte kicks out at two. Yep, so and she, she puts, hit with a chick kick as well. Right, so she puts she put Charlotte over here strong because she kicks out of her finish. Mm-hmm. They go back and forth for chops. Uh, Charlotte hits the big boot, puts her in the figure four. Moves into the figure eight. Trish taps, and Charlotte gets the win here. 
you know, I mean, listen, the, the finish was never in doubt, and this is what you would expect. Trish is the legend returning. I mean, even though we saw Goldberg win earlier, uh, she, she rightfully should be the one to put... She should be putting over whoever her opponent is. If this is if this is her farewell match, as she claims it is. Mm-hmm. And it was at her hometown, so... Well, right, country, in, in her hometown. <laughs> I love your pet peeve, though, that she celebrated too much. She like just she was won. like, yeah, like a Power Ranger at the end of an episode yeah. after she lost. There's I'm also like, a, yeah, weird, I mean, it's a, a weird moment here. at the end you where... After she loses, she tries to come out the ring, and the ref tells her go back. <laughs> she's trying to walk out, and the ref the ref waves at her and says no, go back. Yeah, and go she back climbs back up, it, and yeah. she's like holding her leg. She's like, bro, like I'm tired. Well, I <laughs> she her, finally I thought she out. was gonna break her tailbone. And she fell off the apron. I mean, that was rough. Yeah, that's true. I mean, did, Charlotte, Charlotte's an acquired taste. Did Charlotte just look? Is she getting like even bigger? Like more muscular? Yeah, a little, a little I bit. felt like she looked like. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's always big, but maybe it's just because Trish, Trish is small. It's also, it's she also just look well. They big also, as fuck. they also do highlight the match. Corey Graves goes out of his way to say, you know, Charlotte is bigger and stronger than, oh than Trish God. obviously yeah. is. Like, I mean, Charlotte's size. also very tall, so you have to you have to take consideration. Yeah, Charlotte, like, Charlotte, Charlotte's almost six feet tall. She's five yeah. ten, five eleven. That's a, so, big girl. <laughs> considering like her <laughs> her build and and like considering a lot of like her moves are like very like power centric, it kind of makes sense to like kind of highlight that. Like even like beforehand, they had a uh, small stream where they were showing her training before her match with Trish and she's just out there just on, on some rock shit like clinging and banging just trying to be in the gym I mean it's one of those things where Charleston acquired taste I don't necessarily agree with all the accolades they throw at her either I understand most of it's because of her name but I do have to give credit to do Charlotte does have a good work rate and ring like she actually can carry herself she's sure. been able to carry people to good matches I don't necessarily like the whole like Roman factor where she gets shoved down a lot of people's throats but I will concede that Charlotte had an, a really good match with Trish and it definitely will put it in a better position eventually when they eventually throw it back at the top of the car. So it's one of those things that has to happen. Yeah. So moving on, we have the WWE Championship match, Kofi versus Randy Orton. This has been 11 years going, basically. You know, like, you can go back and forth over these stories and about everything that's always happened with them. But um, it seemed like it was very much leaning towards, like, Kofi having to retain here. This this kind of made definitely. sense. Um, and ending in a double count out in my opinion was very yeah. bad the crowd didn't like it I yeah, didn't, yeah they, they chanted bullshit they did chant bullshit <laughs> I did like the uh, the start of this match so Kofi comes out you know doing typical New Day shit he's throwing pancakes and the match starts and Orton tries to hand him a pancake yeah and he won't take it and he like, slaps it out of his hand there's also a woman who gets hit in the face with uh, with some pancakes while she's on her phone so you get her sitting in the front <laughs> row and not paying attention to the ring Unf- unfortunately though this was this was a typical Randy Orton match uh, you know Kofi comes out with a flurry of offense Early on, rightfully so, right? Goes into the whole mm-hmm. stupid, stupid, stupid thing for the last 10 years. And for a, a really emotional story mm-hmm. about Kofi being held back, the match didn't really... have a lot of... Yeah. I yeah. mean, this was typical Randy Orton stuff, hitting his, his slow plotting spots. Yeah, the punch methodical. Kick, punch, kick. I mean, obviously, Kofi's out here doing what he does. Mm-hmm. Jumping you know. off of damn near everything, trying mm-hmm. to put Randy out. Right, the, you know he does the trust fall onto Randy outside at one point in time. Mm-hmm. You know he he does a, bu- a bunch of his jumping clotheslines. He has the boom drop at one point. Yeah, I didn't appreciate that the crowd started chanting "Kofi stupid." I felt as though it kind of just undermined like I, I don't really the, get the it. whole storyline. It's there, like hey, there was another dope spot not to cut you off mm. with Kofi where Randy tries to throw him into the ring steps and he just jumps over him. Yeah, yeah. that was, <laughs> so was fucking dope. Yeah, he's Fuck. good. But we get to the end of the match pretty much, right? And and the the issue that I, f- I understand people had with that was that they never highlighted that the ref was counting Kofi and Randy. Right. Yeah. So so you have you have a spot where Kofi goes up top 
Yeah. And Randy counters it into the RKO. Yes. Yeah. And Kofi rolls to Kofi the outside. Kofi rolls to the outside. So now when Randy comes out, that should restart the 10 count. It did not. It, right. it definitely felt as though he came out and the ref was on four and just kept going. Right. He just counted slower. And then some more rules. Yes. Right. And then <laughs> Randy is looking at Kofi's family. Highlight of the night, Kofi shit-talking Randy Orton. Kofi's son, rather. Shit-talking yeah. Randy Orton. That kid is, what, like four? Yeah. <laughs> fucking amazing <laughs> he's like I don't care and, throw hands with you then, anytime and then because the camera is focused on them you just hear the bell yeah not, like there was no point whether you see the ref counting so if you're so, watching so, at home, so Graves does allude to it if you're watching at home he does say oh the ref's at 8 okay when Randy's staring at Chi Chi he says the ref's at 8 and he said oh she get back in the ring and Kofi springs up and starts throwing hands at Randy and they're, they're like oh the ref's at 9 someone needs to get back in the ring soon yeah. and then the ref just throws it out Yeah. I mean, so it, it was I unfortunate I feel they like should have this, this done a, it better this is a really weird finish especially for a big 4 yes it sh- it sh- this is I the mean, second year in a row too that has ended in DQ right obviously this is going to move on to Clash of Champions Probably even beyond that. Honestly. It might, it might it go might, to Survivor Series. Honestly, Survivor Series. They, they do have a history of uh, fighting Survivor Series. I remember one specific one where Randy gets eliminated by Kofi, and Kofi is the lone survivor for his team beating Randy. Yeah. Um. So they have a history of fighting in Survivor Series. Yeah, so it might stretch then, to then. What, what, what Kofi got? What a kendo stick? Chair yeah, he got a he got a kendo stick, oh, and he uh, yeah, basically beats Randy from uh, <laughs> from where uh, yeah. he gets the candlestick by in front of the announcer table. Political. He just beats him in the middle of the ring over and over again, chanting "stupid." And then uh, after a while, he looks to uh, he looks and, to Randy, and he just tells him to get his get his bitch ass up, and hits him with the uh, Trouble in Paradise standstill, and, and then he just celebrates with his uh, family. Yeah. All right. So you know, N- next the thing we've all want to talk about the most. Let me in. Let him in. That's the, the best the, character the, debut I've seen the, in years. The in ring debut of of the Fiend against uh, Man Balor. <laughs> clad in all white uh, human color did um, you uh, ever get a uh, response about the ballot rankings I did not uh, okay yo yeah so my people that go in and roll over there they do ballot rankings based on uh, color so they do like blue baller blue baller red baller white baller do they want, do one for Rollins as well with all his power ranger they gear they don't they need to they don't they need to they, do, they have just base man baller they do demon baller okay uh, pumpkin baller is on the rankings uh, pumpkin we, baller we should be at the bottom see, he, he is because they okay. never got to see pumpkin baller in the ring one of the things I did like here, though, is that Corey Graves, clearly on commentary, says, you know, Bray Wyatt has a new persona. Finn Balor is, is known for his, his darker persona. He's like, he why wouldn't go, he summon he the demon knowing what he's doing artillery, Yeah. And why is he not using it here? Mm-hmm. That's a very good, uh, astute observation that he made. And then... It's too astute. And then we get the debut of The Fiend. So, it's very on the nose, because even the club called it out before the actual yeah. card started. Right. We get the debut of The Fiend. We hear the Fi-Fi Funhouse music start playing. It gets mm-hmm. all distorted, fades out. All the lights in the arena cut out, and on the Titan Chan in red, we see the words "Let him in." Mm-hmm. So good, and then you just hear this like heavy metal rock music playing. It's like a screamo rendition of Bray's old. It's, team. Just, it's just going on, it's going on, and then you see Bray Wyatt's head. And at first, I looked, I was like, "Is he not wearing the mask? Is he going to mm-hmm. put the mask on?" But no, it's it's a lantern of his head, of oh. his old gimmick. Mm. Fucking crazy! So good. And then as yeah, everything about it was perfect. As he's walking to the ring, you realize that yeah, it's a heavy metal remix of his old theme song. It's uh, it's actually done by Code Orange, who played Alice the Black's theme song at uh, oh, Takeover okay. Brooklyn two years ago. Appreciate that. Um, They're really good. So good. He he comes out to the ring. He stops in front of the ring. He puts the lantern down the ring. He listens to the gloves. Comes into the ring. They get a close up on his face with the the strobe lights flickering. He goes into the corner. Match begins. 
what a fucking great entrance. Yeah. What a great fucking entrance. Like, and I appreciate Bowler with the psychology being able to actually properly sell his level of fear and concern that he felt when he sees the fiend. And I appreciate that commentary was actually able to highlight that. Yes. And just put that extra layer of fear that was needed for Bray's character. Everybody was afraid. And that was a very necessary thing. Right. And the biggest thing to me that they highlight on commentary is Renee Young says, who else can change an atmosphere like that? And Corey Gray's mentions that only the Undertaker is able to do it. Mm-hmm. So where Bray Wyatt should have been to begin with with his old gimmick up there is where with the Undertaker to get him now. is where they're finally trying to get him. And I Hopefully appreciate it that. Works. But yeah, this is a short match. Uh, Finn tries to mount offense and Bray counters it every time. He goes to set him up for the sister Abigail. Bray gets out of it. He hits his corner draw. He hits a sling blade. Hits a corner draw kicks. He goes for the coup de gras. Bray catches him with the mandible claw. Oh, yeah. Puts him down. Pins him. The Finn I, I gets didn't to like win that. his debut. I didn't like that he didn't get a submission finish because Finn passed out and the ref counted to the three count. I agree that the mandible that, claw that kind of undermined it. I agree. Also, let's let's not gloss over the the next snap Uranagi combo. That should like that should have been the finish right there. You just snap uh, someone's neck and hit them with a Uranagi. That should be dead. I just don't should be dead. Yeah, you, that <laughs> literally would kill you. Yeah, so. yes. realistically. But okay, uh, I'm not gonna complain. Right. I'm happy that Bray is out here. doing Easily, it was awesome the highlight shit. of the night, and I yeah. I love the fact that the crowd was so heavily into it. It made yeah. it feel so much bigger than it could have been. Right. Um, hopefully this is a, a sign of things to come. I don't know how you're going to necessarily maintain this character on a weekly basis. I think it's going to be more is, of, I think we're going to see a lot of regular Bray. I think you're going to have to. might even compete as regular Bray. I think you're going to have to because otherwise it's not going to make a lot of sense. It, but not like Finn. It's going to be more like a Cactus Jack type situation. Sure, where he's still like deranged scarier. and off. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's going to have to have you know, It's level. like when Mick would go into Cactus to like for a real big match. You know, right. like. I yeah. think it's going to be something like that because this is obviously you can't be like a pay per view exclusive. Yeah, you can't just have him on well, yeah, regular TV unless he's constantly destroying people like backstage. Yeah, or, like it's it's not special if it's done every week. So yeah. you got you got to keep that in mind. But this was great, and hopefully they keep it up. So you know, moving on to the last match of the night, it was uh, Rollins versus Brock. Uh, it was for Universal Championship, and it was a very reminiscent match of the uh, CM Punk match that. He had a Brock about six years ago. Best versus the Beast. Yeah, where it was very obvious. It was like, hey, you know, like, it takes Brock fucking up for you to mount some offense. But I appreciate that Brock was actually willing to sell for Rollins. Yeah. He actually didn't need to utilize any low blows to win. Um, it made Rollins feel like that much bigger of a character. And I, uh, they turned the, the crowd around because the crowd booed the ever-living crap out of Rollins when he came out. And it was also surprising that, well, also, that Brett came out. And yeah, also there was, there was a backstage segment where earlier in the night where Brett walks up to Seth and says, oh, you know, good luck tonight. And the crowd boos Seth. Oh, yeah. In that moment. Because um, everybody knows that Brett is it's, it's, it's God. It's me. <laughs> well, not just that. But he's, he's also called him out no, on, on Twitter about his... I think that was safe. more like a public but also, make, make good moment. But I think also so. it's because... Rollins was booked horribly as Universal Champion oh, from WrestleMania. That three-month feud with Corbin did no favors to anyone. That's true. Um, even if you with someone like Balor or Nakamura during that time, it would have been a different story. But th- th- this was even Ali. Yeah, this was what you expect from Brock. Brock hit his his normal spots, his, yep. his German suplexes. But you know, Rollins did come out with a lot of fire. He hit a bunch of super kicks on him. Mm. Uh, there was a dope spot where I'm not a huge fan of Brock's spots, but he's swinging Rollins around by oh, the by rib bandages. Yeah, that, that, was, rib that was dope. That was sick. And I was like, all right, man, you, you got it. <laughs> You're pretty strong. <laughs> I, I do I do like when he's allowed to be an effective beast and not just a right. guy who suplexes people. Right. Yeah, I mean I still think every match like I was uh 
it, it turns out like a video game boss fight. Yes. Where you gotta, gotta you gotta wait till he's not doing it. Well, you gotta wait till he's on cooldown and, like, and then up. you gotta dodge the rest yeah. of the time. But right, right. It, that, that's it worked what it was. a little bit better here because he it was a, it was more effective. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. You the, know, and Brock was selling. Like you yeah. said, you know, he wasn't just like no selling his shit. Threw caution into the wind. He went for the leap of faith elbow drop through a table to put Brock down. I, I, it's a good match. He, he had a couple F5s and still kicked out. It was. He he also countered a bunch of German suplexes. He actually oh, counter, yeah. he counters one early yep. on, hits a super kick, and then hits the stomp early yeah. in the match. And I think it, too, it's kind of like maybe is acknowledging like WWE is like, hmm, kind of messed up the first Rollins run. We, we need gave to it make to Brock. it better. The fans aren't digging it, so like let's actually just call an audible here. I mean, I feel like they didn't do that in it. general because they did with Roman as well. When Roman was supposed to be Brock the first time, he lost. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, we fucked that up, so let's... Have Roman win again at SummerSlam, and then when he had to relinquish no, the belt, what the Brock hell Brock it again. Brock does. So I was watching. That's also true. I was watching Brian Zane's review earlier, mm-hmm. and he makes a good point. I noticed they do this in every Brock Lesnar match. His biggest enemy is the ring post. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, they, that, that's like the only way people get to beat him down. Like that's how they capitalize. The it's either that or the top turnbuckle because he'll like throw a high knee into the top turnbuckle yes, or the top rope miss. and just either fall out the ring yeah. or he'll just eat shit. Or he'll miss. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so like you said, he puts him through a table, he gets Brock back in the ring, he hits the frog splash, goes for another curb stomp, gets mm-hmm. a two count. Uh, he goes for a stomp, Brock counters it into the F5, Rollins counters that into yep. another super kick, and then hits the curb stomp for the win. Mm-hmm. New Universal Champion. It looked, he looked great. Yeah. And let's. And I mean, the crowd got behind him by the end of the match. Right. I, I think it, I it have was a very optimism. Cena-esque match. I have it's optimism the, for his run now. It's the best that Rollins Corbin's out has looked since, has looked since, like since last winning, year. Since winning the title at WrestleMania, really. I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't even say was, that. I would fluky. say since, since his IC title run last year. Yeah. Sure. That was probably his most effective look since then. Sure. And, and obviously. His booking was horrible, and that turned the fan. The fans turned on him for that. Because if you, I don't know if you guys know, but that's uh, Becky Lynch's boyfriend. Oh, I did not out. know. That's a thing. Yeah, it's a really. Thing. They're going out. That's surprising. Seth Rollins. Is it's his. almost as though they don't say it every time they were on. And Becky, they don't make the show together. together. And Becky, Becky is his girlfriend. Oh, okay. That's how that, that's how that works. Huh? So it's like the man's out? man. Do they do they say that a lot? They said the man's man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's very surprising. Yeah, he's the beast slayer, but he's also the man's man. Oh, that's nice. They have a T-shirt. Oh. Yeah, and so probably looks like shit. That's, that's, make sure that's I don't shit. buy that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the only problem I have with this match is why do we need to waste the Money in the Bank briefcase on Brock? Like it gave us one week of entertainment with the uh, the Boom Brock box, whatever the fuck this it's called. This is what feeds it my just been speculation that this it should have been just, Ali. Well, I just think that they <laughs> put it on him. They they were, they were going to pivot to Brock and juice the ratings up, and they were like shit didn't work let's let's not do this and they just aborted the whole thing i think you're you're probably right let's right. put it back on it, set it is, it is just let's unfortunate try again. and then when he when he beat brock he, it wasn't a fluke this time it was very obvious like yeah. look now i need to be able to show up. that i can win against someone like him in the face of overwhelming adversity i need to be able to be a threat exactly so i'm fine with that i'm definitely fine with that uh as a whole i do think that this is easily one of the best pay-per-views we've seen this this calendar year so far um it's not necessarily the best one, but it was very high up very there. Good. There was a lot of good work rate level matches. The, flu- the few complaints we have is just more or less from a, a standpoint of seeing a lot of potential not being realized in WWE. It's, it's been a very long-standing like, thing that Vince has done, especially when it comes to the women's division and maintaining his mid-card. Yep. He's very inconsistent with them, and it makes it so fans don't necessarily always fall in line with the conformity that he's trying to push. Right. And and it you see it when you see guys like Rollins, you see guys like like AJ and Nakamura like be amazing wrestlers 
But the crowd turns on them when their faces. Yes. Like, Vince needs to learn how to work this around. And I think the Rollins thing is a step in the right direction. Hopefully, going yeah. forward, he'll be able to address this issue as well I with guys like Balor, Braun. Like, <laughs> I agree with this the, full heart. The, these things need to be addressed in a healthy manner that will actually bolster his roster. Because once they actually have this full brand split, when Fox gets one show and USA gets the other, they're going to have to have established talent for a consistent basis for more than just a casual fan base who's willing to watch a show on more than one channel on a consistent fan, on consistent uh Basis. Consistent basis. There we go. Thank you. Appreciate gotcha. you. Thank you for the, the hot tag right there. <laughs> but uh, I think I think that'll do it for us, right, guys? I Pretty think much. So. Any uh, closing thoughts, guys? I, I, Ray, Ray, tell us your thoughts. <laughs> These are his thoughts. I just think that this like uh, you're not gonna be telling your grandkids about this SummerSlam. Sure. But it was really good, and I think it was even more impressive considering Reigns, Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braun. Corbin, Braun, McIntyre, McIntyre. None of these dudes even were on the card. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan, Austin Black, yeah. Austin Black, Cesaro. and they still it's put true. together a hell of a card. So, oh yeah, the depth is there. Let's just use it right. And I think the getting the belt off Brock, mm-hmm. the, the, getting the Fiend right. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that's good. That's a good stance to have, honestly. I think they I did think a good job going forward. That's pretty. Gotta good give them have. credit. You know, we always whip them when they when they screw things up. But that's true. they did a lot of things right. That's very true. Closing thoughts, Mike. I'm good, man. I you got good? it. I got it. All right. I don't want to end our race thoughts. So, uh, race thoughts. That's fine. So uh, that'll do it for uh, us here. This has uh, been Chris, obviously with uh, with Mike and Ray. I want to thank you guys for uh, listening in on us and uh, taking in our thoughts and opinions. If you have anything you would uh, like to contribute, add, you can. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. I'm at the Afro Gamer. Follow the channel at uh, Call the Ring. I couldn't get called in the ring. Someone has it, so let them know to give me that. Yeah, we need, it. <laughs> we need that. Yo, we can do a Twitter trade one time. So call the ring. Take yes, it and the in out. Yes, there will be links in the description. You can definitely follow us. A lot of a lot of astute wrestling observations, especially during pay reviews. Uh, very interactive. We're always about getting involved with our, our audience and trying to have a healthy dialogue when it comes to the wrestling industry and the scene. So, uh, you know, look forward to more of this and uh, hope to see you around. Don't be afraid.